The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body Balance Talk. My name is Lucy Hewitt, nutritional therapist. And I'm Madeline Hewitt. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD. And thank you for joining us on the show today. We're so glad you'll be with us for the next hour. And the last few weeks, we were discussing various different uh, components of fats and why they're necessary in your diet and the difference between some saturated fats and polyunsaturated. And we're continuing on that topic of fats. And this week, we'll focus a little bit more on nuts and seeds and all their individual health benefits and characteristics. You might think that all nuts and seeds are kind of the same. They all have the same amount of fat or protein or carbs or the same things because they're all just kind of like nuts. But there are actually some very interesting differences between the two, and we think that you're going to find this very fascinating. And before we dive into our main topic of the day, we have a question from one of our listeners, and her name is Tamara. And she had emailed us, and she was wondering, how can a parent raise children without having them eat sugar and junk food, especially at events like birthday parties and sporting events or street fairs? And, you know, I think that it's timely because here we are moving into summer, at least if you're at this, this part of the world, we're moving into summer here. And so there will be more of those things, sporting events and street fairs and picnics and all kinds of fun, th- fun things that families do. And so... Tamara, we're so glad that you asked us this question. And uh, what we suggest is starting early with children. And be sure that they're given the opportunity to eat plenty of fats. And this, it, it kind of goes against what a lot of school and government guidelines are right now is they really promote um, a not quite so much fat for kids because they're concerned about the obesity in children, which is a major, major concern. However, um, their, their take on that is that then you should cut down on fats. And uh, we don't agree with that at all, and plenty of people also don't agree with that. And we can see that that hasn't worked at all because children are not slimming down as they eat lower fat. And one of the things you have to realize is if you take the fat out of foods, then there has to be something left because you're not going to eat nothing. And there probably isn't just going to only be protein left. So then what the diet mainly consists of is going to be carbohydrates and sugar. So we really suggest giving them plenty of fats. And of course, not ever force-feeding children. We're not talking about anything like that. Um, We find that coconut oil is actually a favorite with young children. And realize that that children have rapidly growing brains 
And we know that brains are made mostly of fat, fat and cholesterol. And also nerves are made of fat. And then also all the babies or the children's and even adult cell membranes are also made of fat. And so depriving children of fat is actually one of the worst things that you can do in terms of their brain development and children's nerve development. So think of the problems that children end up having, things like misbehavior or um, attention deficit, um, lots of movement disorders are happening. These are all things that have to do with children's brains and their nerves. And so it might seem that maybe this lack of fat in their diet and excess sugar might have something to do with that. So not only that, but remember, depriving them from the fats means that whatever they're going to be eating would be mostly carbs. And I had already mentioned that, but I really want to drive that point home that whenever you take something out, then you're going to replace it with something else. And so that would be the same with if you take the opposite and say, I'm going to actually lower my intake of sugar and carbs. Well, then something else is going to have to go up. And what you don't want to go way up and through the roof is actually protein. So protein is wonderful. And we advocate people eating protein, absolutely. But you don't want, you know, three or four or 500 grams of protein. So when people start lowering their intake of sugar and carbs, you find that you start replacing that with more and more fat. And Lucy talked quite extensively the last two or three shows on which types of fats that you would choose. And we're going to be talking about that too in terms of these nuts and seeds today. But you want to be sure that that you don't think, oh, I'm going to then increase my fats by eating a lot of fatty foods like fried chicken and donuts and those sorts of things. We're talking about healthy, good fats for people. And realizing, again, I'm going to say it again, that realizing that it's the carbs that lead to diabetes and weight gain and it's not the fat. So we suggest choosing fats like coconut oil, pasture butter, and listen to this, heavy cream. Think of this if you have children. A dish of cream and berries as a bedtime snack for young children, it actually works wonders for keeping them calm and able to sleep well. And I would just have to ask the listeners out there, if you have children, do you think that your children would not like to eat berries and cream? I mean, of everybody that we've had who had their children have this, the children absolutely love it. And children also love avocados. And you'll find that children who eat enough fat at every meal and snack, they have good behavior and they have good focus. And here at the studio, we have a number of daycare providers who come here. And when we talk with them, they tell us that the parents often, well, pretty much every day, drop the young children off to the daycare in the morning. So these would be children from, uh, you know, young little infants up through age four, four and a half before they go to kindergarten, that the parents drive them over to the daycare. And that was after the parents gave them a breakfast of maybe a breakfast bar and juice. So they have all those packaged bars in the grocery store that appear to be real healthy and they say things like that they're approved by the American Heart Association because they're low fat or that they have natural fruit in them or that they have um, some sort of whole grains in them and so those types of breakfast bars appear to be something very healthy and so we know that parents Really, of course, parents want the best for their children, so they're thinking that they're buying these foods, something that's going to be nice and convenient, because a kid can just eat that in the car on the way over to the daycare with a nice little plastic container of juice. But 
however, by the time that the kids get to the daycare and maybe after a half hour or so has gone gone by, the daycare providers report that the kids, they're wild, they're screaming, they're whining, they're crying, they're unhappy. And so they figured out that what they do is give them a mid-morning snack of avocado containing coconut oil as well, and so, or maybe even some coconut kefir, maybe some eggs and a few veggies. And it, you know, if you're not used to feeding your children food like this, that might sound like that's unrealistic. And you might think, you know, my kids would never eat that because I, I can hear what you're thinking on mm-hmm. this radio show. I can hear your thoughts. <laughs> yep. And you're thinking my kids would never sit and eat an avocado and coconut kefir. But these daycare providers say they that the kids actually clamor for more and more and more, especially of the avocado. And if they have any gripes about it, the daycare providers, that's it's kind of expensive giving kids all these avocados, but they're clamoring for them. Same with the coconut oil; they'll just eat a little spoon of coconut oil, and um, it might it might seem odd to you, but the children do actually really love this food, and they keep asking for more avocado, more coconut oil. And the daycare providers have told us that after that snack, the whole group of children is calm, they're more focused, they play without fighting, and that they actually don't have any more problems the rest of the day because their lunch is made of the same foods and then their afternoon snack also has those foods. And... um so this is also true with children that are going to school. So a little bit older children that... It's important for us as adults here to realize that children actually want to do well in school and that children don't want to get in trouble with the teachers, but they can't help it when they're loaded with sugar from breakfast and then they eat a lunch that also has sugar in it as well. And remember, a sugar-filled breakfast includes foods like cereal, toast, fruit juice, and low-fat yogurt. So... When I'm talking about sugar, you might think, well, my kids don't eat sugar um, because they're not eating donuts or candy. But all of these foods I just listed, cereal, toast, fruit juice, and low-fat yogurt, are really almost all 100% sugar. Once they get digested and into the body, it's sugar. And even worse, because you might be thinking, well, I'm giving my kids these other foods at home, cereal and toast. But even worse is if the children are eating at school. And those school breakfasts often are pancakes with syrup, sweet rolls, tang, donuts, and chocolate skim milk. And all of these foods drive children's behavior. And so imagine if you're going to load up your car with something other than some gasoline in there. Put some other kind of thing in there like, how about tang? Put that in your gas tank and then try and drive your car. And then you get real upset that your car doesn't drive right. And you start punishing it or think, doggone it, this stupid car. You know, But that's actually what you're doing with children when you load them up with sugar and then expect them to sit in, their, in the school classroom and pay attention and also learn what the teacher is talking about and not get in fights. You're just setting it up for the children with this kind of behavior when they're eating that way. Now, on the other hand, if you give the child a breakfast that contains a lot of good fats, a lot of good fats. So 
a lot is one of those odd words because people often ask, well, how much? You know what? Kids are actually very, very well at regulating what they're eating. So if you happen to put the entire jar of coconut oil in front of them, in front of them believe me, they're not going to eat the whole thing. You won't have to sit and regulate or measure it out. They're going to eat something and then they're going to be done with it. Children hopefully still are in touch with how their physiology works. And if you just allow them to access that, then they're going to put a stopping point on what they um, what they're eating. Now, the stopping point all gets taken off. If that includes donuts and sugar, that's that stopping point disappears. And then they can keep eating and eating and eating it. But if you set out a whole jar, even a gallon of coconut oil, there's no way that they're going to eat eat that whole thing. They're not they're probably not going to have even more than one spoonful. Now, if they're really deprived of fat, maybe they'll have three spoonfuls. And that's not overdoing it. So This is not a time to be real picky and measure out exactly the amount of food that the child should eat. One child might want to have one little slice of avocado, and the other one actually eats the whole avocado. So these aren't things to get upset about or worry about or measure or be real concerned about. You just start in. Knowing that the lower that the child is on fat, they're going to want more, and they're probably going to be eating more. But don't worry about it. That's actually going to be a good sign. And that's the the idea with fat. And then they need also a reasonable amount of protein. So this is not overdoing protein here. And it's also not excluding protein. So a reasonable amount of protein. And then very few carbs. If you give your child that sort of breakfast, lots of good fats, a reasonable amount of protein, and very few carbs, that child will feel different. And they'll notice the difference. They'll notice that they don't get in fights with the other kids, and they notice that they can easily pay attention to the teacher and that they can learn the school material effectively. Now, once the children experience this in their own bodies, they actually make a connection to that, and they want to feel that way. You might think that kids are not smart enough or they don't have the awareness, but in reality, they have more awareness than most adults do. So it sounds like what you're saying is that what you ideally would be feeding your kids is pretty much what we suggest that you feed yourself. Is that true? You know, it is true, um, with the exception that there, uh, from what I hear from daycare providers and other parents who raise their children um, this way, is that th- these younger kids are probably going to be eating even more fat than you. Okay. That would be the one difference. And you're also talking about then that that this is really the way to keep them from not even wanting the sugar. If they see it in front of them, if they have the fats, they're not even going to want the sugar. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that they don't want the sugar. Um, I'm going to talk about one boy in particular that I know of, and he's about 10 years old. And... Um, he he wasn't raised completely without sugar, but at uh, an age of, I think, maybe like five or six, his parents really got serious about his diet because he was actually having asthma and allergies and a whole host of behavior problems. And so they worked with him on his food. And now he he's still, if it's sitting there, he'll go, oh, I really want that. And so it's not that they don't want it. It's going to be important not to keep it around in the house. There's no sense having 
a, a pile of donuts on the table and then and then expecting the child to not eat those. So you don't have it in there. But in the terms of this child, he's learned that he knows and he says, oh, Papa, I would really like to eat that, but I know how it's going to make me feel and I won't be able to pay attention. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, he doesn't say that, but he, he actually does. He's, he's an amazing child and he's formed that connection for himself that he, he understands and knows that, yeah, I like the taste of donuts and I like the taste of candy and my friends are sitting here eating suckers and they're chewing bubble gum and all of this and I would like to have that too but if I have that I'm going to get out of control with my behavior and he and not only that his eyes kind of swell up and he starts getting these allergy symptoms and so it would be foolish to expect that children would never want to have those foods so it would be real important for you as a parent then for you also not to have those foods in your house and to make a real big effort on having a variety of these other foods that are going to be healthy for the child. And so that's why the key is to have them eat foods that taste good for them. If this isn't about making and forcing kids to eat foods that they don't like. And an example, a protein shake that's filled with coconut milk or heavy cream is a great choice for a child. And be sure, though, not to load the shake with fruit. And I, I feel like I don't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't put sherbet or ice cream in there as well. And I know that might sound... Um, like, well, of course we wouldn't put that in there. But we see a lot of people buying these um, books or seeing recipes online for smoothies that actually have all of that in there, ice cream and sherbet. Or flavored yogurt. Flavored yogurt, exactly. So let's... Um, it'd be better not to be using those sorts of things. If you were going to be using some yogurt, maybe a small amount of Greek yogurt, which has fewer carbs in it and it has a little bit more protein, that might be an option. And use a protein powder that does not have sugar. So you have to read the package of what you're using. Almost all protein powders contain some sort of sugar. And remember to look for words like dextrose and maltodextrin and um, all kinds of other words that end with os. Those are going to be words of sugar. And we recommend the Warrior Blend protein powder because it doesn't have any sugar at all. And they have a brand that... Um, some the the um, chocolate and the vanilla, those have stevia in them, but the plain doesn't even have stevia. So all it contains is the protein, and those proteins are pea, hemp, and cranberry. And lots of people have allergies to whey and soy, and so we found that most people respond real well to that. But if you've already got a great protein powder that doesn't have sugar in it, go ahead and use that one. And chocolate appeals to many kids and um, but vanilla is also very tasty so it looks like we're up for our first break is that right lucy yes it's time for the break remember everybody we're taking callers if you have questions on this current topic or questions about nuts and seeds or fats in general give us a call at one 472 5792 or email us at info at com. We'll be back in a minute. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the Cancer Coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. You're listening to all three of us today, Lucy, Madeline, and Jeannie. And Madeline, or um, Jeannie, keep talking about the what shakes. we were talking about, the shakes. Yeah, we were yes. talking about making these great shakes for kids with coconut milk and heavy or heavy cream. I guess you could use both. Um, you know, you don't overdo it, so you wouldn't give the child uh, a whole pint of heavy cream at mm-hmm. once. But really, I think that if you did give them that, they probably just wouldn't eat the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, and one note, just... The coconut milk, you definitely want it to be the full-fat canned coconut milk, not that kind in the carton, because that carton's kind is not going to be a good source of fat. Uh, Why not? Yeah, because it's watered down. Yep, there's not very much fat at all in there. Not much coconut at all in there. Are there added ingredients, or is it just water? Nope, there's added ingredients as well, so that would be another reason to avoid it. You would be avoiding possibly sugar or some bad fats that are added, preservatives and natural flavorings. But today, if we're talking about fats, then you're definitely missing out on the good fats if you're using the cartoned coconut milk. Mm. Absolutely. And so you could use that warrior blend for your protein powder or any sort of protein powder that comes in a variety of flavors. But just remember to not get any kind that has some some sort of sugar in it. And not only that, but not any artificial sweeteners either, such as aspartame or sucralose. Those would be completely off limits for children. Um, and I, I, yeah, I would like to just take a moment and just speak on that and we'll get back to the shakes. But if you're talking about behavior disorders with kids or nerve disorders um, or headaches, any of that, um, you might want to just think if they're getting any source of artificial sweeteners. And that could be from drinking diet pop or could be from some sort of fruit drink that has artificial sweeteners in it. Yogurts, uh, lots of those that, that say low fat and natural, they actually have artificial sweeteners in those. 
artificial sweeteners would be something to absolutely have children avoid. Everybody should avoid those ones. In particular, aspartame and then sucralose and, and not have those. Now, stevia is not an artificial sweetener. It actually comes from a plant and it's classified as an herb. And it actually has some beneficial effects for people in terms of sugar handling. So if you're looking for something that's going to give a sweet flavor, we highly recommend using stevia for that. And something that might be fun for kids is actually to buy a stevia plant and have one and you pick the leaves off and have them chew it up. And it, one of the parents was telling me about this the other day that they, they did this. And of course, the kids are and anybody would really think you're going to put this green leaf in your mouth and it's going to taste kind of like plants, you know, or dirt or something. But it has this amazingly sweet flavor. And that might be something that's kind of fun for kids. And then they know that, oh, that's kind of fun. That stevia is just right here in my shake. And maybe you even put that leaf of stevia right in the shake and use that to sweeten it. And so you could have these various flavors. You could have chocolate for your shake. You could have vanilla, which is very, very tasty. And often children don't like chocolate. So vanilla might be a great choice. Then you add, it would be about a half of a cup of coconut milk. The canned coconut milk, that's full fat that Lucy was talking about. You just don't want the light or low-fat coconut milk or the kind that's in the carton. Or you add about a half a cup of heavy cream. Could even be a quarter cup of that. And then you could easily sneak in some cooked and cooled cauliflower. And I chose the cauliflower because it's white and it's not going to color anything green. And um, just thinking that lots of kids um, aren't going to be eating something that looks green. Now, if your kids do, that's absolutely great. You go ahead with the kale and the broccoli. But if you're starting with this and the kids are a little bit picky, cauliflower, you just cut up the cauliflower, steam or cook it, and then cool it way down. Use some ice and some water cool it way down and put about a half a cup or maybe a cup into the shake and they're never going to know that it's there it doesn't smell it doesn't look like anything and you could even add a few drops of peanut oil or maybe a touch of peanut butter those wouldn't be things to overdo and you wouldn't want to give peanut oil to very 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 young children so this would be after maybe their school age um, just because of the fact that it's easier to develop a peanut allergy if you give peanuts to children when they're very young but say that they're already school age just a few drops of peanut oil it adds the smell and also the taste of peanuts and that could be like a chocolate peanut butter shake or it could be a vanilla peanut butter shake Or you could add mint and have a chocolate mint shake or use the vanilla and then keep it vanilla. Or you could use strawberry dynamic greens in there so that it's a strawberry pink shake. Mm. It sounds kind of good. And kids really go for these things. Uh, Now, these shakes could also be great for an after-school snack. And now, at least in this part of the country, it's, it's real warm here. And so these cold shakes are appealing in the warm weather. And other great breakfast ideas for kids could be an egg pancake. And you're going to have to experiment with this a little bit. We're getting ready to put one of our recipes up on the blog. It's just not up there quite yet. But you want to use an, a, a pancake recipe that has no grains at all. So you would use some eggs, and sometimes it's even just the egg yolks, and 
uh, a bit of coconut flour and maybe some almond or some hazelnut flour or even maca flour. That that could also work in there. You want to avoid any of those so-called gluten-free flours. Those are things that are going to spike the children's blood sugar and lead to the behavior problems. So you don't want to just only go for something that's just called gluten-free. We really want to start to move the grains and the high glycemic foods out of the child's diet. Now, in that egg pancake, you could actually put a little bit of almond butter or peanut butter on top of it and just enjoy as is. You could also put some pasture butter on it. Um, Put the pasture butter on and it melts and just roll that up and eat it. Now, other quick breakfast ideas could be hard-boiled eggs for kids. Make a batch on the weekend and then just grab and go. And this is something that um, these daycare providers that I was talking about, they try and tell the parents, you know, this is something easy for you, a a hard-boiled egg, because the the little daycare kids, they eat the hard-boiled eggs at the daycare. So they already know that they like eggs. They try and convince the parents, why don't you just make a little pot of these eggs on Sunday night, and then you've got them in the refrigerator when it's time to dash out of the house with the kid, because we know that that can be frantic in the mom- in the mornings. You just grab one of these hard-boiled eggs, and they can eat it in the car on the way to daycare, or they could eat that on the way to school as well. And then, of course, we speak of this all the time, but we bring it up numerous times because these ideas have been so helpful for people. The mango chocolates, the thin mints, and the slender lemons, all of which recipes are on the blog. We highly recommend making those and give those to the children. And that that in a pinch could just be eaten by themselves. So even if those daycare kids even just ate thin mints in the car on the way to the daycare, now it might be messy, but they would actually have better behavior, better nutrition than if they were eating those breakfast bars in the car. Same with kids, high school kids, middle school kids, grade school kids, they would be better off just only eating thin mints on the way to school than if they have that bowl of cereal and a piece of toast. Now, do we recommend people only eat thin mints for a meal? No, but we know what people's lives are. They're fast and they're grabbing things here and there. So if you're just going to be in the grabbing mode, that will be a better meal than grabbing a lot of other things. However, we suggest adding it together, like maybe have a hard-boiled egg and two slender lemons. Okay, there's protein powder in those slender lemons, and there's also a huge amount of coconut oil in those as well. So you get a lot of great oils in there. So we actually recommend mixing it with something else. Or maybe you have that egg pancake, and then you have a mango chocolate. Now, the idea here really is to get rid of the cereal. Get rid of the skim milk. And if you must use milk, choose whole milk and use cream. Get rid of the bread and get rid of the toast and English muffins, and Pop-Tarts. And in fact, it's wise to withhold any sort of gluten for as long as possible. The earlier children are introduced to gluten, the higher chance that they have of developing celiac disease. And so, you know, if you can hold off and just say, you know, at the child's one-year birthday, maybe don't give them a cake with gluten in there. They're only one. They're probably not going to really notice if they're eating gluten or not. That's That birthday cake, when they're one, realize that's really for you, and that's not in the child's best interest. And they have, no one wants celiac disease, and it's irreversible. And so you want to hold off with any sort of gluten as long as you possibly can in a child's life. And children who eat well really notice when the food that they eat makes them react badly. 
And so we talked about some of the, this other little boy who is 10. And I know of another little girl. She's only about two and a half years old. And for her, if, if somebody, you know, say that they go to a wedding or somewhere and these parents always have these little baggies of Cheerios or of those colored ones, Fruit Loops. And um, if someone tries to put a Cheerio or a Fruit Loop or any of that in her mouth, she just spits it right out. And she's amazing. She's been raised so far on only pastured organic meat, lots of organic vegetables. She actually eats a thin mince. And for her, she spends a lot of time with her grandma. And she calls the thin mince Nana's timeout candy. And so she she likes, she says, I, I want Nana's timeout candy big piece <laughs> and then and yeah so that's been part of her diet since she's been able to eat food and she eats coconut oil she loves pasture butter and um, hopefully we'll have more and more parents raising children with healthy foods and um, in the case of both of those children that I was talking about the parents don't believe at all in moderation uh, moderation in terms of giving their children candy and sweets just how about for birthdays or, well, we're at a football game, so let's just have candy and pop at the football game as just once, or holidays or special occasions. And, in fact, those these families eat this way all of the time. And it's easy for them because they have a nice repertoire of foods that taste so good. And another example of foods that taste good, especially for children, is the kefir ice cream. And so why not make that when you're in the mood for ice cream? This is not about deprivation and going, oh, it's summer, I love ice cream, but I can't have it. You don't want to get into that. That's all about what you can't have and what's not going to be there for you. And that only leads to binging and unhappiness. And so it's really, this kefir ice cream is a nice, healthy dose of fat. It's an amazing fruity flavor along with good bacteria for your gut. And when we make this, we haven't had one person or anyone's kids who do not like the kefir ice cream. This would probably be one of the one of the main recipes that people get from the nutrition series that they take home and they come back in a week or two back to the class and they say, oh my God, my kids love this. And so why not serve the kefir ice cream and the chocolate cake? the chocolate cake that we have on our blog, why not serve the kefir ice cream and the chocolate cake for a birthday? Now, the difference in doing that will be that everyone actually feels good after eating and you don't have the screaming and and uh, kind of turning the house upside down after all those kids have had uh, regular sugar cake and ice cream. And another specialty food is that cauliflower crust pizza. And we know kids love pizza. So make that for special celebrations. So say you're having your child's birthday party. You make the cauliflower crust pizza and you have the chocolate cake and you have the kefir ice cream. And you've got some great pink dynamic greens for the kids to drink. And everybody's just thrilled and happy. And then you have things like crockpot roast, the beef and the pork, or crockpot chicken. And those actually have wide appeal for kids, mainly because it's just something plain. It's, it's just this nice piece of meat that they can eat and it appeals to them. Um, a piece of roast or a slice or two of avocado and some green beans with, gut, with butter go over very, very well with children. Now, we don't want to get too deep into supplements here on the radio show, but something very beneficial for children is actually cod liver oil um, or DHA. And DHA, if you remember, if you ever buy fish oil and it says EPA DHA, 
So those are kind of like the types of fatty acids that you're, that are found in the fish oil. And the EPA in there is more for inflammation, and the DHA is especially beneficial for brains. And so um, any, any woman who's pregnant and goes to the doctor is probably told, hopefully told, that you want to be supplementing with DHA while you're pregnant. Is that, is that right, Lucy? Yep, that's right. Yeah, so you want to supplement with that even while you're pregnant. And then after the child is born, you talk to the pediatrician about supplementing the, the baby with the DHA. And then cod liver oil, that's not exactly the same as DHA. It's actually a different type of fat. But that's also very highly beneficial for children, but also for adults. So whenever you think of brain type of issues, you think of cod liver oil, you think about DHA. And uh, so... We're getting the idea here about supporting the child's brain development with a variety of beneficial fats. And this is serious as it directly impacts what type of adult that child will grow into. Now, if the child is raised on sugar and now must deal with attention and focus trouble and they have behavior problems and then now they have learning disabilities, they clearly don't do very well in school. And if they don't do well in school, how is higher higher education going to go? What if they go to college or some sort of Votech school or anything where they're trying to learn more? How do you think that's going to go when they don't have focus? So if this is important. Then beyond that, how about job performance and ability to be in relationships? This is all affected if a child is raised on sugar. And this brain development, it just affects everything. So we highly encourage parents and, listen to this, and grandparents and neighbors and friends of the child because they're often the worst. We encourage everyone to rethink this idea that children must have sugar, cereal, and cake and cookies and baked goods in order to enjoy a real childhood. And we find that this thinking has more to do with the parent or sometimes the grandparents rather than for the child's best interest. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's dive into the topic for the day, the main topic of nuts and seeds. And there's such a variety of different nuts and seeds, and all of them have different types of fats, different nutrients, different qualities that make them beneficial to be eating. Um, so let's talk about almonds first. And this whole segment here is just going to be f- fun and informational. So almonds are actually a great source of magnesium, um, but only if you sprout them first. So last week we talked about sprouting and that when you sprout or you soak the nuts, that makes the nutrients more readily available. Almonds also contain two brain nutrients, riboflavin and L-carnitine, and these nutrients have been shown to increase brain activity, improve memory, and decrease neuronal degeneration. So almonds are a great one to add. Then what about pecans? We have pecans in many of the different recipes on our blog. And if you haven't been to the blog before, you can find it on our website at mybodybalancenutrition.com. And then you just click on the blog tab. These 
pecans are actually one of the most popular tree nuts around, and they have a higher fat content than most any other nuts. Now, a lot of times people say, well, nuts are a great source of protein. That's where I'm going to get my protein is from eating nuts. But actually... Nuts are much higher in fat than they are in protein. And pecans in particular have a type of unsaturated fat called oleic acid. And oleic acid, if you like the spelling, it's O-L-E-I-C and then another word, acid. That's known for its benefits to heart health. And it can help lower triglycerides and lower blood pressure and reduce the occurrence of blood clots. Oleic acid also contains many antioxidants that help fight the effects of free radicals in your body. And free radicals also can spur on infection. So these antioxidants help protect you against infection. And it's also very interesting to note that oleic acid can inhibit the growth of cancerous cells, especially breast cancer cells. So those pecans can help you prevent breast cancer. And then for everyone who likes more of the science, that's an omega-9 fatty acid. So it looks like we're on to another break. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on nuts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. I'm Steve, and I just opened my own barbecue restaurant. I'm the sauce master, but I'm no expert in printing. And I'm Mary. I own the UPS store in Steve's neighborhood, and I help with professional printing like flyers and posters to promote Steve's restaurant. Steve loves being on his own. But I'm not alone, thanks to Mary. To find a locally owned center near you, visit the UPSstore.com. We love small businesses. We love logistics. The UPS store franchise locations are independently owned and operated. Services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary by location. See center for details. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. 
To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And Madeline wanted to add something to our, from our previous talk about teenagers. Yeah, I was actually a camp counselor at a teen camp a couple of summers ago. And in my cabin, I had about eight teenage girls and most of them were overweight or um, very much out of shape and unfit. And they I remember them feeling terrible about it. They were so unhappy with the situation that they were in with their health. And um, many of them even were quite educated themselves about eating. I mean, about as educated as they could learn just by doing research online and, and trying to learn by themselves. But they would say that their parents would not let them eat healthy. Their parents would continue to buy ice cream and buy chips and buy cereal and put it in front of them and they wouldn't they wouldn't let them buy healthy foods because they said that their parents wanted them to have a childhood experience and they wanted to they wanted their kids to experience fun and happiness and they really did not even want to have those foods. They were so unhappy and so desperate at that point that they were very much willing to give up whatever they needed to and to switch over into something healthier. And I just remember it was it was a shame because there was nothing that they really could do about it at that time. You know, that's a really good point, I think, because if you're going to be changing your diet, then you want to have support wherever you are, whether that's going to be your husband or your wife or your parents or whoever that you're living with. And so it's important to know of, of any families out there that if one person in your family is trying to change their diet or improve their health or they have health trouble, it's going to be very important that the entire family get involved with that and not just be there and say nice words and that we love you, but also really we we encourage the whole family to change their eating and the whole family to do some learning. And, and the outcome of that is everybody is going to benefit from that. And Madeline, when you bring that up, I just, I agree. And it's not just these girls that you had at camp. I've also um, met a number of people. And even just today I was, or today or yesterday, I was just talking with someone here at the studio and she's just, uh, she grew up and she was over overweight and she said that her parents were always saying oh you know you really should lose some weight you know why don't you lose weight you're getting a little bit big and then recently she's just lost some weight and then now they're saying oh you really need to eat it looks like you're getting too thin and you know this focus on what people look like and making comments about them um, really instead to change the conversations into that we can all really eat good, healthy food that tastes absolutely amazing and get everyone involved. But Madeline's point about parents is a real good one and it threads along with the nutrition classes that I, I think Lucy will agree too in our nutrition classes. Mm-hmm. We often yeah. have, have mothers that speak up and they say, well, you know, I, 
my my kid has to we have to bake because baking is is part of growing up and what they're talking about baking is you know baking regular sugary types of pastries and things and um you know again you you wouldn't think that a child that's born and then they're a toddler that they're even going to be thinking that they need to do baking or they're going to need to eat sugary desserts they're not thinking anything everything comes from the parents mm-hmm. so again we really really do encourage parents if you want to help your children at all one thing is you're going to have to start to help yourself and then have some confidence in your children that they actually want to be good people and they want to be healthy and they want to interact with other people in a good way and they do actually want to do well in school so we want to all be there and support these kids because they they really are our future yes Yeah, and even on when you were talking about baking and that the kids really want to bake, I remember back to when I was young and we baked a lot as well. And I would have been perfectly happy doing other activities with my parents besides the baking. It wasn't really the food or the cookies that mattered to me. It was really just the spending time with my family that I really enjoyed. So other kids are probably the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. And something along that same note, um, you, you know, we're talking about just this generic word baking, but doesn't mean that no one can use their oven anymore. So you could actually bake. And um, we have those great recipes for the chocolate cake and for the macaroons. And so if you happen to go, oh, I just, it's one of those days, it's just one of those chocolate cake days, then you actually have recipes and foods that it smells like chocolate, it actually is chocolate, the macaroons are real coconut, these are all actually real foods that when they're in the oven, it smells up the house like chocolate, or it smells up the the house like macaroons. And so you actually still get that same effect, but these aren't foods that are going to be harmful for people. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, let's weave back into talking about these nuts and seeds. And since Jeannie was just talking about the macaroons, if anyone has seen that recipe, you see it calls for eggs. But we found a way to make them without eggs. Instead, you can use chia seeds. And you you can look on the blog. It's updated. So now you can see how to use the chia seeds, grind them up in a coffee grinder, mix them with water, and then that would be a replacement for the eggs. Um, But chia seeds are a great source of antioxidants, and they actually have three times more antioxidant activity than blueberries even do. And interesting to note, there's two common varieties of chia seeds. There's the black ones and then the white ones. That's the name of them, black or white. And they're different depending on what plants they come from. When you look at them in the store, the black ones are actually all different shades of brown or tan. Those are usually the most common ones to find. And then the white ones are white or lighter tan color. Chia seeds also have a lot of fiber in them. So anyone who's used chia seeds, you know that if they get wet, they gel up. They become all gel around, and then the little crunchy seed stays in the middle. And that's that great fiber that helps when you eat the seed. It helps clean out the intestines, keeps things moving along, and helps keep you full as well. And they're also a pretty good source of omega-3s. 
Now, people do bring up that nuts and seeds are a great source of omega-3s, and most nuts and seeds actually contain more of the omega-6s, and we talked about the oleic acid in pecans, that's omega-9s. Walnuts contain more omega-3 fatty acids than any other nuts. And omega-3 fatty acids are one of those essential fatty acids. So that means you don't make your own omega-3s inside your body. You actually have to get it just from the food that you eat. And your cell membranes are made up of about 50% of the omega-3s. So it's quite important to get enough of those. Now, you might have noticed that walnuts go rancid faster than other nuts, and those omega-3s do get rancid quickly. They're very, very delicate, and other sources of omega-3s would be like fish oils or flaxseed oil or flax seeds, and the omega-3s are very, very delicate to heat and light and oxygen. So with walnuts, you want to buy them in smaller quantities and just enough to use up in a few weeks or you store them in the refrigerator to help them last longer. And again, like all of the nuts and seeds, you want to get the raw walnuts, and that's going to make sure that the omega-3s in them aren't damaged. And then with flax seeds, that's a great source of the omega-3s, but you want to make sure to always get full flax seeds, whole flax seeds, not the pre-ground powdered flax seeds. And that's because those go rancid very, very quickly, where the omega-3s in there actually become rancid or oxidized within about 15 minutes of grinding them. So if you like ground up flax seeds, buy your own whole ones and then grind them up yourself and then you just eat them right away. Now, so those flax that, seeds, oh, go ahead. I heard that you can't digest or absorb the nutrients from flax seeds unless they are ground up. So should you always grind them up yourself or is it okay to just eat them whole anyways? Oh, that's a good question. To get the benefits of the flax seeds, like the fiber and the omega-3s, yes, you do need to grind them up first. There's not going to be a problem with just eating flax seeds whole, but they're just going to pass right through your body. So like some people like to eat the whole flax seeds if they sprinkle them on top of their chia seed pudding or something like that. So should you grind up like the whole bag of them when you get them or should you grind them up every time you use them? Every time you use them. Because remember that the powder, once they're ground, they become rancid in just about 10 or 15 minutes. So grind them up fresh and you keep the rest of the whole ones just on the counter or in the refrigerator to save for later, and then you grind them up next time you're going to eat them. Now, I have another question about nuts and seeds. I've heard of people keeping them in the freezer, and I'm not really sure why that is. Do you, do you know anything about that? Yeah, that's to keep them fresher for longer. So these nuts and the seeds have very delicate fats in them, and if you have them on the counter outside of the fridge for a long, long, long time like months and years then yes they go rancid so putting them in your freezer can keep them fresher longer so like if you get one of those big bottles or the big um, containers of flax seeds maybe it's about a half a pound and you're going to take a year or a year and a half to use it up then store it in the freezer and it's not going to damage it to put it in the freezer it's not going to 
uh, make it harder to use. It's just going to keep it fresher. Mm. Can you and put you- ground flax seeds in your shake? Yes, you could. But even easier is just to put in the whole flax seeds and then they'll get ground up while you're blending your shake. So, And that's a good way to get some omega-3s. So that might be kind of back to our topic about kids. Um, another issue that a lot of kids have, and I'm sure they don't like to talk about it, is constipation. Mm-hmm. And putting those flax seeds in the shake, that could be really helpful for them and they don't really even notice they're in there. Yeah, yeah. Flax Black seeds have a lot of good fiber. Chia seeds actually have even better fiber for a lot of people. So some people notice when they have the flax seeds, it bulks up their stools too much. So then you go the opposite direction. But chia seeds has the right amount of fiber that's going to keep things moving through. Even if you're super, super, super backed up, that's going to keep it moving through. So chia seeds or flax seeds are great to put in kids' um, shakes. And chia seed pudding. Now, we don't have this recipe on the blog. Um, Maybe we'll have to put it up there. But this is a great recipe to get some chia seeds. All you do is mix the chia seeds with about a half a cup of the canned coconut milk and um, some cocoa powder and some stevia. Blend that all up and you let it sit for about 30 minutes and it gels up. Do you blend it it up or do you stir it up? You stir it up. So once you stir it up by hand, you let it all sit as as a mixture for 20 minutes, and then it's ready to eat. So we'll have to put that up. So check back for that on our blog. Otherwise, meantime, look at our blog for that updated macaroon recipe with the chia seeds and some of the other recipes that will be going up soon. And it looks like we're actually at the end of our show. Send us emails as well. If you end up trying some recipes, let us know how they turn out for you. Or you can give us a call. Um, I'm Lucy, and this was Madeline and Jeannie, and thanks for listening. That's our show. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 